tomorrow the calendar turns to August, and that means it's time to recap the biggest and most noteworthy UNC stories of the past academic year. What all's going to make the list? Uh, you're about to find out over the course of the next three episodes. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Monday, July 31st, 2023. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for getting in with us on your first listen or watch of the day. You everydayers, welcome back. It's always great to see you. If you're a visitor or maybe a first-time guest, man, welcome in. Come join us. We are having a fun little series at the beginning of this week. Here's what's going to happen. Today's July 31st, so that means tomorrow the calendar turns to August, fall football camp starts up this week, and we're all starting to think about the upcoming school year. But before we get there, before we look ahead, I want to make sure to stop and take a look back at what I think are 10 of the most noteworthy or impactful moments in Carolina sports during the past academic year. Now, notice I didn't say top 10 moments or the best performances or anything like that. No, I just said top 10 most impactful or noteworthy moments. Things that made a big difference for one reason or another. Could be good, could be not as good, could be a change in a sport, could just be a big storyline, could be something that hit me different than it hit you. That's the part of fun of making a list, right? And what we're going to do is spread this out across the first three episodes of this week. So there's enough space to unpack everything appropriately. So today we'll do numbers 10 through seven tomorrow, Tuesday, six through four. And then on Wednesday, we'll hit three through number one and a couple honorable mentions. Then on Thursday, coach Pat Kilby and I are going to carry on our summer basketball roster preview series. We'll be looking at Harrison Ingram. And then on Friday, Pack is joining me again. We're going to do something of a fun summer pickup draft. We'll tell you more about that on Friday. So as we get into this list, I'd love for you to think about what you would put on this list from the past year. Let me know. Reach out in email or on uh, YouTube comments, Twitter, whatever it may be. And by the way, I've had a ton of fun putting this together and reminiscing back on these moments pulling up some of the footage and watching games, the ecstasy and the agony and everything in between. So let's get right into this thing. Number 10 on the list, men's basketball's win over Ohio State in the CBS Sports Classic at Madison Square Garden, 89 to 84 in overtime. This was a game that frankly, I thought was done and over. Carolina had recently had a four-game losing streak and picked up a couple wins since then over uh, Georgia Tech and the Citadel, but then thankfully won this game. So here's how it went down if you don't remember. Midway through the first half, Ohio State takes a double-digit lead. Got up to as many as 14 points. And I don't know about you, but I'm sitting there thinking, Ugh. all right, we, you know, we just had that four-game losing streak. Here we go, right? Uh, not good downturn again. Well, Tariel's got it to single digits at halftime. It was nine, but it was single digits. And then just a, less than four minutes into the second half, 
The Tar Heels came out of the locker room, shaved eight more points off that lead, got it down to one. But then, of course, the Buckeyes push it back out to double digits and, in fact, still had a 10-point lead with six and a half to go. Carolina keeps clawing back, as they, they often do, and tie the game with two minutes and 10 seconds left and ultimately took a lead with a minute 29 to go. So let's walk through the beats of that final 89 seconds. Ohio State has the ball down one. There's about 30 seconds left. It was not a good possession. Carolina played really pretty good defense on it. Uh, but Zed Key was up at the top of the lane, just bailed out the Buckeyes with a three-pointer to make a to get a two-point lead. Back quickly on the other end, Caleb Love had a really nice pass to Mondo. Uh, I can't remember if it was a dunk or a layup, but to tie the game with 17 seconds left. But then, this is where I thought the game was over. Bryce Sensabaugh, sensational freshman at Ohio State last year, had leaky draped all over him and somehow managed to pull up just uh, just five feet or so from the rim and get a shot off over Leakey to take a two-point lead with just two seconds left on the clock. And again, I'm like, man, all hope is lost at this point. Carolina is not going to be able to pull this out. Um, and it's just like, uh, come to the garden. You want to win. And this is what happens. But then hopefully you remember as well as I do. Carolina still had two timeouts left. Ohio State is out of timeouts. They got none. Carolina goes ahead and takes one right then. Leaky's the inbound man from the opposite baseline, is able to get a nice pass to RJ, who dribbles just across half court, gets that other timeout so they can um, inbound the ball from in the front court. And you you might remember this, but there's this whole scene, and, and we learned a good deal more about it later, where Coach Davis actually let Coach Lebo draw up the play for this. And even coming out of the huddle, I can't even remember specifically who now, but a couple of the guys were like, I don't know about this, right? Is this going to work? And should we should we abort and do something else? Um, and you know the the commentators I remember speculating on is it going to be Baycott or Love? What's going to happen? Well, Leaky is inbounding right in front of the Carolina bench and ultimately lofts it across the court, like across the lane, all the way over to Pete Nance, who is up by the elbow and just is able to get a turnaround in a very similar shot to where Luke May or a very similar place on the court, excuse me, to where Luke May hit his shot against Kentucky, drains it over time. Here we go. And then uh, at that point, Carolina is able to ultimately win in overtime by that final score of 89 to 84. Wild stuff. Carolina pulled out. You know, I know Ohio State didn't end up, they kind of tanked in Big Ten play last year, but might have been the the biggest well, one of the biggest wins of last year, certainly on the one of the biggest stages that Carolina was in. If they had been able to pull out a win over Alabama, and yeah, that was so unfortunate, that might have been the biggest win. But um, really interesting stuff here. But again, remember, Carolina had just had that losing streak. Um, Iowa State and then Bama up in Portland and then had to go straight to Indiana for the ACC Big Ten Challenge, lost there, and then lost at Virginia Tech that following Sunday, I believe it was, without Armando, who was out hurt. And um, as I mentioned a minute ago, Carolina then beat Georgia Tech and Citadel in pretty quick succession. Um, and then this one is like, okay, maybe this is a turning point. 
And then the the very next game was beating Michigan in the Jumpman Invitational. So it's like, all right, four game losing streak, but you respond with the four game winning streak. But uh, we we all know kind of how the season went from there. But man, what a special moment this was in the most famous arena in the world. That that Pete Nance miracle shot. You love to see it, and great passing from Leaky both to set up the play, uh, the the play before that to get the ball to RJ, and then to make that pass to Pete for the tie. Great stuff. From the Tar Heels, unfortunately, we just didn't get enough of that last year. Well, coming up, we're going to hit both numbers nine and eight because we got to get 10 through seven on this show. So got to talk about women's basketball, a little bit of a challenging schedule for them and how they handled it. Plus, there were some individual Olympic sport national championships last season. We'll hit on both of those in just a second. But first, this episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. And the same is true when it comes to your vehicle. Every part has to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head on over to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure that every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know that the part will be the right fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. So get the right parts with the right fit at the right price on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, thanks for making Locked On Tar Heels your first listen every single day. Remember, there's a new fun way to submit listener questions. You can do that in a video format. And in fact, in a week or two, we're going to be having a mailbag episode. So I want to prepare you for that. If you want to submit a question through video, here's what you do. Email just a video from your phone, quick and easy, LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. Give me your name, your number, not your, <laughs> your name, where you're from, and your question. 15 seconds or less, and uh, you might see yourself or hear yourself on the show coming up soon. If you don't want to do that, no worries. You can submit a question just the old-fashioned way, Twitter, Gmail, whatever you want to do. All right. We move on on our list of the top 10 in Isaac's view of the most impactful or noteworthy UNC stories of the past academic year. Number nine is women's basketball. Great team. Man, they just had this ridiculously challenging schedule last season. They played 11 games against top 25 opponents. Man, the the ACC itself, and honestly... Uh, past couple years now has just been an absolute gauntlet, but it wasn't even an ACC play alone. Carolina's non-conference schedule was really, really difficult. And, um, and at, you know, Carolina was able to get some really good wins out of it, but at, at times just, you know, the, the lack of an inside presence kind of hurt and, and made things difficult. Carolina was able to pick up two top five wins last season, beat uh, Iowa State, who was number five at the time, and then beat Notre Dame, who was number four at the time. In fact, that Notre Dame game was part of a really, really impressive stretch. It's funny, we just talked about the guys' four-game losing streak. The women, unfortunately, had one of their own. 
they lost to number 19 Michigan, also in the Jumpman. No, I don't think that was in Jumpman Invitational. Forgive me. It might have been. Now I'm second-guessing myself. But then they lost to Florida State. They lost at number seven Virginia Tech and then lost at Miami. So boom, 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 boom. And so that brings up that Notre Dame game I just mentioned. And you've lost four in a row and you're staring down like, oh, man, we're about to host the number four team in the nation. Very probable five-game losing streak looming in front of us. But the Tar Heels coach Courtney Banghart's team, man, they banded together and were able to beat Notre Dame in that game 60-50. to Great stuff. And that ignites a eight game winning streak. So they were really, you know, whereas the guys weren't able to quite mount a big push, the women did there off of their four game losing streak eight in a row. But then similar to the guys kind of sputtered down the stretch, some wins and losses back and forth. But um, in that eight game winning streak, it also included wins over in-state rivals. They beat number 11 NC State, number 13 Duke. And as you well know, Carolina beat Duke at Duke again to end the regular season. And so I, I know the ladies took on some losses last year. I still think they were criminally underseeded in the NCAA tournament, which um, hurt their cause, you know, before ultimately losing to Ohio State. It's funny. We just talked about them with the guys. Um, and so ah, that was a bummer. I, I was really sad for them. And, um, you know, we just talked about beating Duke twice there at, at home and on the road. Had to play them again in the ACC tournament. As the saying always goes, it's hard to knock off a team three times in a season. That proved true as the Tar Heels fell 44 to 40. Uh, both teams were really strong defensively last year, as you remember, but that was in the ACC tournament. Here's the thing, though. I think looking ahead, this team is going to be really, really good this year. I know they lost Kennedy Todd Williams to the transfer portal, uh, but but bring back such an intact core bringing in some loaded recruiting class of freshmen and the transfers they got i'm really excited about as well and you know obviously you got Alyssa Utsby and you got deja and then paulina paris is going to be a sophomore all these players um kayla mcpherson you know really hopefully being fully healthy and so lot lot to look forward to with the women's basketball team this upcoming season let's move on now to number eight where Carolina had uh, two individual Olympic sport national championships I want to talk about, or at least I should say two different people, uh, three different national championships. I'll explain what I mean in just a second. Let's start with Austin O'Connor from the wrestling team who won his second career national championship for the Tar Heels. He won this year at 157. Uh, that took place, uh, the national championship in Tulsa, Oklahoma, just an hour and a half west of where I live. And then uh, a couple years ago in 2021, he had one at 149 weight class. So it had, had bumped up this year. And that was in St. Louis. Also had won the bronze in 2019 at 149. So Austin's just had a great, phenomenal career for the Tar Heels. All-American five times over. I mean, that's like in wrestling, uh, it's just super impressive. And obviously now in this era where we've got people able to utilize that fifth year of COVID eligibility, we're going to have some different kind of numbers like that, but Hey, don't, don't take anything away from him. Three time ACC champion. Austin O'Connor was just great stuff from him there. And in fact, the second ever wrestler in UNC history to win multiple national championships. Oh, and by the way, 
the homie Austin was a four time state champion in high school. So he's been doing it his whole life and just kept doing it once he got to Carolina. All right. And then the, the other individual national champion for the Tar Heels was Aranza Vasquez Montano, who is part of the diving team. You might remember at the 2020 Tokyo Olympics, which actually took place in 2021 because of COVID, she was part of uh, those Olympics representing her home country of Mexico. So great stuff. Anyway, Aranza won two national championships this year in Knoxville, Tennessee, the one meter and three meter springboard individual national championships. It's wild to think about pulling off uh, a two P like that. Like I, th I think about any of these people, like, you know, obviously the person you most think of is Michael Phelps, who was just in the pool over and over and over again, doing it. It's just, I cannot fathom the, the mental and physical and emotional fortitude it would take to do something like what Aranza did, but man, congratulations and way to represent the Tar Heels sister. Now, also, uh, just recently here, she just won three medals, at least at the time of this recording, three of them, at the 2023 World Aquatic Championship. She got the silver in mixed three-meter, the silver in the 10-meter team dive, and the bronze in the one-meter one excuse me, individual dive. So, Aranza just keeps... Um, racking up these awards and medals and keep in mind she's just going to be a junior at North Carolina this year so uh, excited to see what she can continue to do for her Tar Heels by the way pretty cool stuff her younger brother Rodolfo is also a diver at North Carolina so it's all in the family there and you love to see that all right friends we've hit number 10 we've hit number eight we've hit number I know how to count. We've hit number 10, nine, and now number eight. Got one more to hit on today. Going over to the gridiron to talk about the football team and some really, really close games with the in-state ACC rivals. We'll hit on that in just a second. All right, we're carrying on our countdown of my top 10 most uh, noteworthy moments for North Carolina athletics in the past academic year. We move now to number seven, and it involves the football team. We'll have a couple involving the football team along the way, but this is the first of them. And what I really, it was so crazy to me. I, there were a lot of close games for Carolina. We'll talk about that later on on the countdown. But specifically right now, I want to hit on the close games with the in-state ACC rivals. Carolina went two and one last year against the in-state ACC schools, losing, unfortunately, to NC State for the second year in a row. Woof, gross, nasty, uh, but did beat Wake and did beat Duke. What's nuts is all three of these games finished within uh the, the margin of victory was three points or fewer in all three of them, win or lose for the Tar Heels. So I just want to walk through these um, just to, you know, trip down memory lane. We'll go through all three of them, just a couple of the big beats of these games. So let's start with the Wake Forest game. Carolina won this one 36-34. At the start of the fourth quarter, the Tar Heels were down 34-33, had a couple of shots down um, at like I believe it was at the Wake Forest one and just couldn't connect. Uh, I believe that actual fourth down play was a miss between Drake and Josh Downs. And so it was just like, ah, just one of those games where it felt like, man, maybe we're just not going to make the plays to do it. Because up to that point, like for a majority of the season, 
Carolina was super, super efficient in the red zone. Like there was a part, I, you might recall me talking about these numbers quite a bit, but where the Tar Heels had only missed out on scoring points in the red zone like four or five times. And at that point, three or four of those were because they were end of game kneel downs. And so I, like they tapered off at the end of the year, but uh, at, at this point they had been doing really well. So it was a shock to not get any points here in the red zone. So that starts the fourth quarter and then weight just keeps threatening throughout the fourth quarter. They um, stalled out at the UNC 10 on their own turnover on downs. And was like, eh, Wake's going to put more points on the board behind Sam Hartman and then just keep going. But thankfully, Carolina was able to get off the field there. Um, but then on the Tar Heels next possession, they had to punt. And so it's like, man, we're just, all right, fourth quarter going down. Um, uh, Wake Forest comes back after that punt, gets across midfield, about four and a half minutes to go. And it's like, boy, they're just going to eat the clock, run this thing out, maybe kick a field goal, take a knee, whatever it is. And then the game's over. But thankfully, Cam Kelly picked off Sam Hartman, Carolina ball. And then that next play, Carolina's first play after that, this time Drake May and Josh Downs do hook, hook up, and it's for 43 yards down to the wake five. You love to see that. Unfortunately, Carolina couldn't push across a touchdown due to a sack and a penalty, but they do um, get three points to take the lead there, that 34-33 final threshold that we talked about, and then are able to hold on the next possession of wake. Nothing, nothing really scary there, and that's your ballgame. So Carolina takes that one. Now, I said we'd unpack all three of these games. I know the NC State one was the last one, and so chronologically we should end there. But because it was the loss, I want to take it next, and we can end on beating Duke. So the loss to NC State, 30-27. to 27. Again, all three of these games were a margin of three points or fewer. State led this one 17-10 at the half. Neither team scored in the third quarter. Drake was able to tie it up midway through the fourth quarter at 17 all. But then about four, just under four minutes to go, NC State takes a lead at 24-17. Carolina goes on this wild drive after that. You remember this drive? Uh, legitimately, I, I know the game ended in a loss, but this might have been, I don't know if I'd say my favorite drive of the season, but the most heart-palpitating drive of the season. They started at their own 25, 3.54 to go, and Drake has all this opportunity. The Heels picked up three different fourth down conversions. The first one was, thank you very much, NC State, and offside. Carolina gets to keep going. Uh, the second fourth down conversion was a pass to Bryson Nesbitt, which was a scary play. Drake scrambles to his right, has to throw back across his body, which you never want to do, but, I mean, it's fourth down. The game's on the line. Um, and you gotta you got to get seven here. You can't settle for a field goal. And he scrambles to his right and has to throw it back to Nesbitt kind of in coverage. There was two guys around him, so lofted it up. We all know how athletic and big Nesbitt is, so he's able to go up and get it and secure this. Beautiful catch there. And then, obviously, the other fourth down conversion was the game-tying touchdown to Antoine Green, literally as the clock goes to zero. Uh, you might even remember, though, it didn't look like the Turtles were going to have to rely on that fourth down because John Copenhaver had had that catch coming across uh, the screen to the left, and it looked like that was a game-time catch, but review after review after review, he didn't have possession, and so Carolina needed that fourth down. 
Unfortunately, though, as as we all remember, in overtime, the teams trade field goals in the first overtime. NC State gets a field goal in the second overtime, and then unfortunately, Noah Burnett misses, and there's your ball game. Thanksgiving is ruined for everyone. <laughs> uh, you laugh because it's sad. Okay, um, and then the uh, the other in-state really close game was the Duke game. Carolina wins this one 38-35. Man, the scores of all these games were so close. This one, though, uh, Carolina had a 10-point lead going into the fourth quarter, but Duke scores two touchdowns within the first five minutes of the fourth quarter to take a four-point lead over the Tar Heels. Story of the season, right? Defense just keeps giving it up. But after that, uh, North Carolina had a drive where it was like, all right, we're going. Drake's doing well. Let's go ahead and get this lead back. But... Drake fumbled at like the Duke 35. Duke recovers it at their own 38. Duke gets all the way down to the Carolina 11 after that. And I was like, oh my gosh, this, this is bad. Duke's already up four. They're about to score again. But even though they got down to the Carolina 11, had multiple penalties to back them up like an offside and a um, personal foul penalty for 15 more yards and then they ultimately missed a field goal carolina gets the ball back at their own 26 just 209 to go another opportunity for drake to do work there was another situation of completing a fourth down got a fourth and five at the duke 20 for 11 yards to josh downs of course and then antoine green strikes again uh eight yard touchdown pass from drake to antoine and uh carolina takes that 38-35 lead. Duke just has 16 seconds left. It was a little scary. They did have a big chunk play that got him across midfield. But then, uh, as you probably recall, Will Hardy had an interception to seal the victory for the Tar Heels. You take a knee and get out of there. All right, folks. What a fun start to this list. 10 noteworthy, my top 10 at least, noteworthy meaningful big time moments from Carolina athletics in the 2022-23 academic year. Again, as a reminder, coming up tomorrow, six through four, and then on Wednesday, three through one. I'd love to hear your list. What am I missing? What would you add? Where do you agree with me? Let me know. You can shoot us an email, lockedontarheels at gmail.com. You can DM the show on Twitter, Locked on Tar Heels, or me personally, at Isaac Shape. Hey, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, smash the like button to let us know you're here, and leave comments. For those of you listening to the show, we'd love if you would go and leave a review at Apple Podcasts. Hey, it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel, right? Yes, you know it. We'll talk again tomorrow, counting down six to four. But until then, peace. <laughs>